morning, I want to talk to you guys about prayer. And I love to talk about prayer because it's such a necessity in my life. I can't go a day without it. Anybody out there with me? You need God in your life. We need to pray. So we at Anchor Church, we lean into it every year. We do 21 days of prayer and fasting. And that's what we're in. We're in the midst of it. We're one week down. How's everybody doing? One week in, are you guys okay? Here's what I know about prayer and fasting is the closer you get to God, sometimes it stirs up opposition from the enemy. Remember I preached last week and I said, expect a battle as you go into this. Expect a battle of hunger, maybe headaches, maybe nightmares, maybe like, like all kinds of different things happen in your life. Maybe this week, coincidentally enough, as you're pressing and trying to get close to Jesus, the enemy is going to be attacking you. It might be conflict with people, might be financial hits you're taking, might be loss, might be health. There's a lot of things. Now, all of that to say, we don't run away from from the things of God. We don't get scared off by the enemy because we know that God is greater than the devil. Amen? But we also expect it. I'm going to tell you this. This week has been a rough week for me. I was in the season of feeling peace and confidence and joy of the Lord and his favor and blessing. And a couple things happened this week that got me rattled. And anxiety, and I can't really explain it because the, the things that themselves shouldn't rattle me, and I'm usually not like anxiety guy. Like I'm usually like pretty cool, calm, and collected. Like I'm casual Carl. You guys, if you know me, I'm casual Carl. Like I'm, I'm never get too phased, and I haven't had this kind of anxiety and panic attacks for years, and it hit me past couple days, and I'm like, oh my gosh, what's going on? And I remembered, I'm praying and fasting, and I'm trying my hardest to dig into the things of the Lord and get closer to him, and I preached myself to you last week, expect a battle because the enemy will come because you're trying to be about the things of the kingdom. And so you can expect, listen, you can expect when you get close to God that at the same time, you're also becoming a threat to the enemy. And I would dare say it like this. If you're living your life in such a way that you're not a threat to the enemy, you might be doing your Christianity wrong. You might be a little on the Christianity light side if you're not a threat to the enemy. Amen? And so in order for us to press in and get the things of God and, and actually make a difference in this world and get our friends saved and get them like eternal security and have blessings in our life that proves our God is actually real, like we're going to keep pressing in and the opposition is going to come. But how many of you guys know we're going to press through it together? Amen. So we're on the fast right now and we're one week in. And if you're experiencing that, don't give up. Don't run away. God's got a good plan. But you just got to press in. At some point, the enemy is going to go, I can't touch this guy anymore. He's just too strong. His God is too strong in him. That Holy Spirit, I can't, I can't do anything else. Like, and it's going to subside, and the breakthroughs are going to come. I'm just trying to, to encourage you guys this morning. If you would like to join us in fasting, we started last week for 21 days. But if you'd like to join us in fasting, there's a card on the seat uh, that you probably sat on right there. And for you guys, it would be 14 days of prayer and fasting because you're starting today. But that's fine. Jump in late. It doesn't matter. But if you want to pick something, there's different types of ways to fast. And there's a little brochure that tells you all about what we're up to. And man, I saw all the cards that you guys turned in this week in our staff meeting, stacks of these things. We prayed over them. Man, we read some, we read some of them aloud. We didn't give your names, but we're like, this person is praying for this. We, we stand behind you in that. And we, just, we know what you're doing. And we love that our church family together that we're seeking God in a brand new way. 2020 is going to be our year, guys. We're pu pushing into the things of God. God's going to do some stuff. Amen? We got to get fired up. So that's going on right now. So we've been talking about prayer. And here's, here's why I want, um, today I'm going to talk about this, is why would God answer our prayers anyway? Because some of us think, oh, because I'm praying and fasting. I'm more holy now, so God's going to answer my prayers more. That's not really true. Jesus himself said in scripture last week, it's not about what you look like. It's not about your actions. 
But here's the reality of what I'm talking about today. Why does God answer prayer? Prayer, maybe write this down. Prayer is based on who God is, not based on who you are or what you've done. Prayer is based on who God is. Well, I come to church every week and I got a perfect gold star for attendance. Like I come every single week. I read my Bible every day. That ought to earn me more prayers being answered. And God goes, no, no, no. Like I love you regardless. Like I, I died for you wherever you're at in your walk of life. I, I couldn't love you any less. I couldn't love you anymore. The answered prayers are based on the very nature and character of who our God is. And he is a good, good father. Amen? And so today I want to teach you a, another prayer. Because we read this verse the other week, Ephesians 6, 18, and it says, pray in the spirit on all occasions and with all kinds of prayers and requests, meaning there's all kinds of different prayers that we can pray out there. And the Bible gives us all kinds of models of different prayers we can pray. I'm going to give you another way to pray here today that's going to focus on why you pray. It's because of the authority of God. It's because of his holy name. It's because of his character. And every one of our prayers every day, I think, should include a little bit of this. It's called worship that when you're praising God and thanking him for who he is, just his character, not even what he's done in your life, just knowing who God is. So I'm gonna give you a prayer today that's gonna to talk about the authority that we have because when I pray, when I woke up this morning in bed and the first thing I do is pray, is that I know who I'm praying to. That makes a difference. If I think I'm praying to someone that, well, if I'm good or I'm bad, it, that, that changes how my prayers get answered, then that's wrong. But if I'm praying to someone that says he's good regardless and because of his character, he's going to reward me as he sees fit, then it just takes away a lot of that striving of me trying to be better or worse or whatever. It's just like, no, God is good. Therefore, he's going to answer my prayer. Is that good? It like stabilizes us a little bit. So let me um, talk to you a little about the, uh, the character of God. And it's all found in this one passage, which is this great prayer that someone prayed and wrote down in scripture that is a prayer to his God. This is a man, and this is David. King David was a shepherd boy at one point in his life. He was the shepherd of sheep. He fought Goliath. He did all that, but then he became a shepherd of people. He became a shepherd of God's holy nation, the nation of Israel, that he was the greatest king Israel ever had, but it's the same type of a dynamic, shepherd of sheep to shepherd of people, and he writes this psalm as he's a shepherd of people. He's a king already, and he's looking back on his life as a shepherd, seeing the, the, the metaphor and the similarity of, wait, I used to be a shepherd and those are sheep. And I'm a king now and I got people. Wait, this is what it's all about with God. God is our shepherd and we're his sheep. And so we're going to learn about the nature of God right now through a message of, I titled, the, To Pray Like Sheep. We talked about pray like Moses, pray like you mean it this week. Let's pray like sheep. Because here's the reality is, we got to all have a good understanding of, of looking at ourselves and going, we're actually, we're nothing more than dumb sheep that serve a really good shepherd. Amen? Anybody ever, ever, you would agree that in your life, sometimes you're like sheep and you're a little too slow to run from the attacks of the enemy and the predators and you get caught and you get blasted sometimes. You're like, man, I'm just not that fast to get away from attacks. And sometimes I'm so dumb, rather than staying with the herd where everything's safe, I wander off on my own and think, I got this part of my life on my own. This relationship, all me. This money thing, all me. I got this thing. Oh, I know what I'm doing with my career. I don't really need a shepherd. I don't need the sheep right now. That's a dumb move. Can I get an amen to that? That is a dumb move when we separate ourselves from the good shepherd and the rest of the sheep. And so here's the reality is, we're going to sow into this thing today and read into this prayer with the understanding that I am nothing more than a dumb sheep. Anybody in the room, you know you're a dumb sheep. Come on, you don't want to admit it. You are. I'm telling you, you are. You may not raise your hand. I'm like, you're dumb. Why? Because I'm dumb. Because 
Our God is a shepherd who's bigger and smarter and better and stronger and way bigger than anything. And we need to acknowledge that in our lives because the minute we think we're not dumb, then we become our own God and our own shepherd. That's when you're blowing your life right there. So we're going to come to the the Lord today. Look at the 23rd Psalm that David wrote in scripture. And we're going to say, this is who I pray to. This is where answered prayers come from. This guy, not this guy. Here's Psalm 23. Here's what David wrote. The Lord is my shepherd and I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. Think of how peaceful that sounds. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the very presence of my enemies. Right in front of those guys, you give me a meal. I love that. He says, you anoint my head with oil. I don't deserve it, but you do it anyway. In fact, my cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Isn't that good? Now remember this. This prayer I'm going to teach you today and talk about is based from this passage in Scripture where we learn eight things about the characteristic of God that you can do this prayer in your daily in 30 seconds if you want to. You can go fast. God, you're my this, you're my this, you're my this. You're going to fill in the notes and write this stuff. Or it can take you 30 minutes. Or it can take you all day long. But what it is is acknowledging who God is and who you're praying to. Because you're not just throwing out good luck like like flicking the, the pennies into the wishing well. You're actually praying to someone that has the power to answer those prayers. And so we're going to look at who he is. And this is, again, David, the shepherd, the shepherd of sheep to the shepherd king of Israel that, listen, this is why I love David so much. David is one of the greatest heroes in the Bible, and I want to be like him more than any person in the Bible next to Jesus. I love the Apostle Paul. I just love this heart of David. He was a humble shepherd boy that God lifted and exalted to this great position. But we're very aware also of David's flaws, of David's mistakes, of David's fears, and the fact that he, he ran and turned, he was scared, he messed up his life. But despite that, the heart of integrity that he had that kept coming back to God, that kept on repenting and confessing and apologizing and holding on to worship of his God despite all of his flaws, allowed him to go down in history later on in the book of Acts, hundreds of years later, as being a man after God's own heart. How many of you want to be a man or woman after God's own heart? And did you know that David is a guy that makes it possible for us to understand that? Because even though he screwed up in some big ways towards the end of his life, God goes, I like your heart, David. You keep coming back to me. So here's a guy that's writing this that we can all attain to be. I can't wait to get to heaven. I'm going to find David right away. Probably going to be a long line, but I got like millions and billions of years. I'm going to wait in that line. Take my number. You're 4,826,000. I'm going to wait to get in line with David. I'm going to run up to him, give him a big hug, sit down and have coffee with him for like 4,800 years and just talk and go, David, dude, tell me about your life, how much you love God. Like, show me, like, I'm just so in awe. Thank you for being such an inspiration. Do you guys ever think about that? We get to heaven, we get to meet all these guys. David is just, that's my heart. Can I just say, I want to have that heart. I want you to have it. So let's look at what David, this guy, our hero, said about God. Here's the first thing, if you're reading Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. Here's the first thing to write in your notes. You need to pray like this. Be reminded, God, you are my shepherd. Let me give you the, the Hebrew name for it. Jehovah Reah. Jehovah Reah. It's on the screen right here. And it basically means the Lord is my shepherd. 
that you would come to prayer every day, 30 seconds, 30 minutes, but you would acknowledge, God, you're my shepherd. Now, here's what's so big about that phrase right there. David doesn't say, God, you're a good shepherd. He says, Lord, the Lord is my shepherd. There's a big difference right there. I don't know if you guys caught that. There's a difference if I were to, if I were to tell you this. Like, here's my friend Paul right here. You guys all, you all know Paul. Paul sits in the front row every week. Amazing man of God. He passed out the bulletin to you as you walked in here today. I could say this about Paul. I could, I could go tell someone a story and go, hey, uh, I know this guy named Paul. He goes to church. He's a good Christian. God transformed his life about eight years ago, right? And uh, yeah, I could say this. Uh, Paul is, man, he is really a good man. He is really a good friend. And that's great. That would be a great thing to say about Paul. But everything changes when I tell someone this. You guys know Paul? He comes to our church. Uh, yeah, he's a, he's a good man. But Paul is my good friend. You guys see the difference there between he's a good person and then you change it to he's my friend. Like he's not a good friend. He's my friend. Everything changes when you personalize it. David is telling us when you pray to the Lord who is a good shepherd, David's going, he's my shepherd. And he's your personal shepherd. And the things you struggle with in life, he knows about. And the guy sitting next to you doesn't even know about that. But God sees your hurts, your fears, and your tears. Listen, I'm, not a, I'm a man, right? So I don't cry. Anybody with me? Come on, man. We don't really cry. We, 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 we try not to, right? But I'm going to tell you this. Because God is my God and he's my shepherd, no one else may ever get to see my tears. But my God sees my tears. It says he puts them in a jar and he holds them dear to his heart, like in the Psalms. Like, like God knows what's going on because he's my shepherd. And I think we need to catch that when we're praying to him and we're saying, you're the shepherd. You lead me, you feed me, you guide me, you protect me. But it's more than that. It's like, you know me. Here's what Jesus said in John 10, 14. I am the good shepherd. I know my own sheep and they know me. So when you pray, he's not just a shepherd, he's your shepherd. He's my shepherd. He knows what's going on in my life when none of you know. And man, I hold to that. He leads me and feeds me. Here's the second thing that you need to know is that, that write this down, is you are my provider. It says, the Lord is my shepherd. That means I shall not want. That says he is, yes, Jehovah Jireh. Can you put that name up there? That the Lord is my provider. The Lord is Jireh, meaning my provider. And what that's saying there is that God is the one that gives me everything I want and need, not me. So when I go and I say, the, you, Lord, are my shepherd, and you are the one that provides for me, I'm not going to go around and say, I'm a self-made man. I don't really need church. I can add church to my life because God is cool, but really, it's all on me. I got this job for myself. I work hard for my family. I do this. I control everything. And that's, <laughs> that's so far off base. If we want the best life possible, it's coming to God in prayer and going, you're my provider. You give me what I want. You give me what I need. And I'm going to turn to you. Philippians 4.19 says, my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. My God shall supply all of your needs according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. He provides what's best for me, meaning sometimes I don't get all that I want, but I still acknowledge you provided what I have and I'm going to be content with that. You're my provider, God. Like, I trust you. I'm going to be content with whatever it is that I have, even if, I wrote this in my notes, he might not give me all that I want, but he might just cause me to stop wanting. Like, when it says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, sometimes we think that it means, then God's going to give me everything I want, so I won't have to want anything anymore. 
The reality is, he might say, I'm not gonna give you all that you want. I'm just gonna take away that wanting heart. Like, you're just gonna be content with the little that you might have. Do you guys understand the difference there? Because we wanna complain. It says that you're gonna give me all that I want. It doesn't say that. It says that I shall not want. It means that you might have something that's less than favorable in your life, but you're gonna be okay with it because God is your Jehovah Jireh provider. Let me tell you a little story right now. I got divorced last year, okay? So I went through that whole season. And because of that, I am living in a new apartment in Kaneohe. And it's a small little apartment, and it's cool, and I'm really close to the church, so it's great. I'm like a two-minute drive right up the road, and I'm like, hey, this is pretty cool. But let's be honest, and I'm going to tell you this right now. My apartment is kind of in the ghetto. Can I just like say that? Like Kaneohe has nice areas, and then less than nice areas. And I'm kind of in that area. And, I'm, and if you live in my building, don't be like mad, like, oh, Carl, why are you dissing our building, bro? Like, don't worry, that's my building too. That's my neighborhood too. Like, I live there too. I'm just saying that going from where I went before to where I'm at right now has been like a, an experience. Like, and and I'll, I'll say it like this. There's domestics going on all the time, like crazy yelling and stuff around me. I'm like, 40 feet away, my front door from like a basketball court. And so there's always kids and and all of that stuff, which is kind of fun. But there's also like a lot of chickens and roosters. And they're alive and awake all night long. One of them, like I'm laying in my room and I have an air conditioner unit. The chickens fly up on top of my air conditioning right outside my window. They like make noise and they lay eggs off of that thing. I'm like, what are you? I'm like, chicken, get off. Like, what are you doing? If it's not the chickens, it's the cats and the cats beef and there's, there's chaos going on. Then there's like, there's people fighting. The past two nights in a row, like three in the morning, I kid you not, I hear up behind my house, full on people yelling, Rah, I hate you, mother. Rah. Like guys and girls. And I'm like, what is going on? Like so crazy. Like you guys think I'm making light of this? One guy literally yelled last night, I'm going to run you over with my car. And I'm like, 911. I know I like, the cops came. I, ran, I didn't have to call. Somebody called them. Like, that's two nights in a row. Be, the, like, the night before with someone else in the building, like 7 a.m. Like, there's just, it's crazy stuff that's going on. Like, like you, you might not believe me, there's homeless people all around there, like, doing their deal, you know, like, just living under umbrellas and just all kind of stuff and people clearing it out. And there's all this stuff. I, I opened the window one night because I heard yelling. I just heard, ah. Oh. I was like, what's going on? I, I just peeked through the jealousies. Like, I don't want to go outside. Like, in the pouring rain, on the basketball court, uncle, homeless, with his shopping cart, just like this in the rain. Ah! And I'm like, lock the door, like, what is going on? One, like, homeless auntie is walking around trying to get into everybody's, like, you know, like, their, their apartments and everything. I'm like, oh, auntie, uh, are you a resident here? Like, I don't think you're supposed to be here. She, I'm a resident anywhere. No, no, I just, <laughs> I'm homeless, right? So I'm, there's this, like, chaos. And in all of this, it's so sketchy, and my kids come over, and it's just, it is what it is. But in this, check this out. I went, wait a minute. This is pretty cool. Like, this is, this is the place that God has for me right now. It may be temporary, but this is my home. This is a roof over my head. And here's what I remember is, God actually got me this apartment because one of my friends says, I own that building, and I'm giving you rent-free for one year, that whole apartment, for you to sort your life out and go and just be blessed that you don't have to pay any rent in this place. And because of that, I realized that that little place has become my sanctuary. And I do not trip, and I'm not scared. I'm like, whoa, what's up, uncle? Yeah, here, you need some money. Like, what? I'm fine with whatever and who I live with, and I'm making friends with the neighbors. And I realized 
that's where God has me. And there's probably not a lot of other pastors that would be willing to live in the place I live, but your Pastor Carl is not like that. I ain't like other pastors. I'll take whatever God gives me. You know why? Because he's my Jehovah Jireh, my provider. I'll, I'll live in worse places. Like, I don't care. That's how good he is. But do you understand what I'm saying when I say, I shall not want? It's not that he gives me all I want. It's that he changes my perspective to say, like, I don't want all of that because you're good enough for me. That's my provider. Amen? So I got a lot more of these things to say, but I wanted to stop on that one because that's a big deal. So he's, he's my shepherd, my provider. Here's the third one. He's my peace. Jehovah Shalom, the Lord of peace. He makes me to lie down in green pastures and leads me beside still waters. The, you know what that's saying right there? That's rest. That's peace. The Lord is my peace. He takes me to places like that in my life, in my mind, and in my heart where I can have peace. That's why it's so out of character that I've been getting hit with anxiety because Lately in this season, he's been giving me such peace. And it's been so, so good. The Lord is my peace. John 14, 27, Jesus said, I'm leaving. This is when he was telling his disciples, I'm leaving because I'm going back to heaven to be with the Father. Set up heaven for you, mansions. You guys can, when you get there, it's going to be cool, but I'm going to go and set it up with you. And he's promised us the Holy Spirit to be with us in our lives. And he says, I'm leaving you with a gift. And here's my gift, peace of mind and peace of heart. The peace that I give is a gift that the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or be afraid. I love that when we understand that God is my peace and he says he makes me to lie down in green pastures, I like that he's basically making us lie down in peace because he's basically kind of saying, if you don't lie down, I'll make you lie down. Right? How many of you guys have ever experienced that? You're like, why am I sick? Why am I like laid up right now? Why? What's going on? And God's going, because you were just going too hard and you wouldn't lie down, so I'm making you lie down right now. You need to rest. You need to take five. We need to not always think that being sick and, and being brought to our, our knees in prayer or in bed or whatever is a bad thing. Could be God's just trying to say this. Hey, you better lie down before you have a breakdown. Like, you need to calm down, find some peace and some rest. You guys know how many times it actually lists in the Gospels? That Jesus, the Son of God that came to serve, he escaped from the crowds to get some peace and rest with the Father. Wait, Jesus, why are you leaving? You're supposed to heal everybody. And it says he dug out, he hid, and he goes, man, I was being drained over there. I need to go get some peace and just hang out with my shepherd, my peace, my Lord, and I just need to recharge my batteries. Why do you think God makes such a big deal about teaching about the Sabbath, about having those Selah, pause moments to just stop and just reevaluate? We live our lives in such a chaotic state where we build our lives of peace around the chaos that we call hard work and overachieving and staying busy and I got to provide and I got to do this and my kids and this and that. And we have this busy, crazy life and we try to like slip in like little moments of like peace and family time and rest and good diet and good sleeping habits and, and exercise for our bodies. We, we build the big stuff is the chaos and we try to slide in all these other little things. We got it backwards, guys. I've been talking with Pastor Rob, who's been doing a lot of studies about wellness and just about like health and balance in his life. He went through some scary moments with his heart and he came back and he, he counsels our staff all the time. You guys need to make room for peace and for God and for rest and exercise and diet and all this stuff. And the number one cause of people going to hospitals and doctor's offices is stress related. Like we go for all these different things, but it has to do with we're too stressed out. And so here's God, Jesus, the Prince of Peace, going, no, 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 you got this thing backwards. You need to set your life up like this. Find all the pockets in the windows that you're going to set in routines of peace, hobbies that bring you joy, they bring you rest, 
the hours of the night that you want to make sure you sleep every night, your family nights, the times you need to have the restful circumstances, stick those in the calendar first and then build all your busy life around those times. We have it backwards. And here is God saying, man, I'm the God of peace. I make you lie down in green pastures and still waters. And, and, and Jesus going, I'm leaving you a gift. And understand this, he doesn't just give you peace. He actually is peace. He's a prince of peace. That means that if you hang out with Jesus, the peace is just going to naturally come into your life. And we, we think we're like, well, I got to go make time. And like, God, give me peace, give me peace. And Jesus goes, if you just get close to me, the peace is going to naturally start happening in your life. Like my presence, I am peace. I don't just give you peace. I am peace. You get to know Jesus, the Prince of Peace. It's just going to be contagious and it's just going to rub off on you and you're going to find peace. Somebody definitely needed to hear that this morning. Amen? Some of us need to hear, you better slow it down before God breaks you down. You're going to lie down in some peace. Here's the fourth thing. You're my healer. God, you're my healer. You restore my soul. Jehovah Rapha. The Lord heals. He is my healer. He restores my soul. Here's what the word restores means. It means heals. It means in the case of a healthy body, you might be healthy and you started off healthy, but you got sick somehow. You got a cold, you got the flu or something like that. And Jehovah Rapha, the healer, means your sick state over here, you started off healthy, but now you got into this, this place of being sick. Well, what God wants to do to heal you or medicine or whatever it is to heal you, it brings you back to your original state of healthiness. And what this word means here, restores, it means that returns to the original place of origin of how good you were before. That doesn't just apply to your health. What it says right here in the, in the word is he can restore my soul. And some of us, like our healing that we need, we're healthy people right now in our physical body, but some of us are suffering right now with broken hearts. And you're suffering loss, and you're suffering grief, and maybe you're suffering from addiction. You can't, you can't kick it, and you need some. You need to be restored to that normal, healthy soul that God created you with. Some of it is is you've suffered abuse, and some of you are carrying around the brokenness from abuse. And you know, there's chances are in this room, there's way over half of you that have had some type of abuse in your life. It doesn't all have to be physical. It could be emotional. It could be stress-related, uh, spiritual, could be uh, verbal. I know that sometimes this, sometimes you've been raised in the type of home where you've had verbal abuse or somebody betrayed you and said things to you. I know that this can be way more powerful sometimes than physical abuse. There's times in my life when people have said things to me that I would way rather they just punch me in the face or broke my arm than the kind of hurt they're putting on me through verbal abuse and we carry it around for the rest of our lives. A broken arm will heal, a broken heart, a broken spirit, a broken soul is tough to heal. But here's our God that says, I am Jehovah Rapha, the God who heals, the God who restores. And the closer we get to him, the, the greater that can happen. Amen? Isn't this a good prayer, the Psalm 23? It's saying all these things about our God. Now listen to this about healing. Side topic is that the Bible tells us that God heals, but he heals in a different way than we would expect. We expect if I go to him and tell him what's wrong with me, he's going to heal me. He is, but he takes a different roundabout way of getting there. Look at what it says in James 5, 16. Here's how we get healing. It says this, very clear. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. Did you guys catch that? He's not saying confess your sins and pray to me so that you'll be healed. 
He's specifically saying in this passage, confess your sins to each other, pray for each other so that you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. So I'm not saying that God's not gonna heal you. He's gonna heal you, but you know how he likes to do it best? Through other people. That Christianity is a team sport. It's not an individual sport. And the reason that we're so hyped on connect groups around here isn't because we're trying to make our church like, oh, we have all these systems and programs. It's because we're saying, the word says that healing comes when we confess to each other and we pray for each other, then you will be healed. That's kind of mind-blowing. That means when God says all he says in the, the scriptures about the one another's and the each other's, he really means that we're supposed to be in unity and we're supposed to be walking life out together. And if you're not in a connect group or some kind of a, a good group where you can actually be real with people and actually confess what's going on in your life and say, hey man, I'm sick, I need to be healed, like whatever it might be, then you're missing out on the goodness of God and potential for healing in your life. So connect group rallies happening this weekend. Go find one, go start one, go get in one. But here's what we need for healing is we need other people. You go to connect group starting in two weeks, first time. Pastor said to do it, God says to do it, I'm gonna try it. First couple weeks you go, you're gonna meet people and you're gonna be like, I don't know them that well yet, I'm not gonna say too much. That's expected and that's fine. But maybe third week, fourth week, sixth week, you get to a point where you're like, these people seem cool. I think I can trust them. I'm going to share something. Guys, I'm hurting in my job right now with this. And I was just, just wondering, can I just, I'm taking off the mask of like the fake Christianity. Hi, praise the Lord, brother. I'm going to get real right now. I'm hurting. I'm going to confess some stuff to you. I'm going to ask for some prayer. And you know what you're going to find? Is those other people in that group, they're going to take their mask off too. And they're going to go, I struggle with the same things. My things are maybe different. Maybe they're worse, better, but we're all in this together. Every one of us in this room and on this stage today, we are sinners in need of a savior. And we're all in the same boat and we all give grace for one another. And when you get with people that understand love and grace and forgiveness and will pray for you and will help you heal, that is where God wants you to be. Amen? So there's my little plug for connect groups and just what God is saying is he can heal, but a lot of times he does it through other people. Here's the fifth thing that we're seeing in this passage of Psalm 23. It says, he leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Here's the word for righteousness, Jehovah Sidkenu. Jehovah Sidkenu. He is the Lord of righteousness. And it means that like, here's what righteousness means. It's more than just something is right. It literally means right with God. There's a big difference there. Because you might get in an argument with someone and you're right but you were really mean about it and you said things in a wrong way and God's going, I don't really approve of that. You may be technically right, but I, that's not me. That's not my heart. What we're is something bigger is that we are right with God. And now, I don't know if you guys understand this, but in my life, the highs and the lows, the mountaintops and the valleys, doesn't matter where I'm at. If I know that I'm right with God and I'm walking in his will in alignment with what he wants me to do, then that's all I need to worry about. I'm in the best, best place in the world. And I might be under attacks, I might be under criticism, but if I know that I have the heart of David, man, and it lines up with you, God, and people may not understand or they may be against me, but my heart is right before you and I'm righteous before you, that's all I need to worry about. I'm walking in his righteousness. That's what God wants you to know. It's the best place in the world to be. First Peter 1.14 says, you must live as God's obedient children. Don't slip back into your old ways of living to satisfy your own desires. You didn't know any better then. But now you must be holy in everything you do, just as God who chose you is holy. That means holy is similar to righteousness. It means that it doesn't mean if like you go, well, I want to be holy and righteous. That doesn't mean you're going to be a boring religious person. That's what we think. 
I go to church, I'm holy and righteous, everyone's going to think I'm weird and, and Jesus freak and all this stuff. No, it's, all it's saying is, you're living your life in such a way that's aligned with God's plans and purposes. You're still you. You get to be fun-loving and do all the stuff you do and just say all of that. But when you're lined up with God, now you're going to have the best life possible because now you're righteous and you're made right with him. That means everything you do in life becomes righteous if you're lined up with his purposes. That's why you can say today, you can look at your family and go, man, my family is holy. My family is righteous. And you'd be like, that sounds weird to say, but it means you're living your life in your family in such a way that it's lined up with the things of God. You're right with him. You can say that. It means weird stuff. Like even you're just driving down the road and you're driving in your truck. My truck is righteous today. Like, what does that mean? That means that the way that you care for, take care of, and value and thank God for that truck is it's lined up with the righteousness of God and your truck becomes righteous. You guys know that your hobbies can become righteous and holy? Like I say this, I was surfing the other day and I like did a cutback. I'm like, oh, how's that cutback? So righteous. Yeah. Oh, I got barreled today. It was so holy. What a holy experience it was. Like all it's saying is that when I paddle out into the ocean and my heart is in alignment with God and I'm there to be a witness for God and enjoy the, the life and the health he's given me and talk to people in the water about God if that's what he calls me to do, then my hobby has now become in alignment and it is right with God. Isn't that cool to know? Like everything in your life, that's because of who we have, Jehovah Sidkenu. God, you're my righteousness. Lead me today to live my life in such a way that everything I do is righteous before you. Here's the sixth thing. You're my best friend. And here's the, here's the word I get um, in Hebrew. It's Jehovah Shammah. And this is the part where it says, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. The key line here is, you're with me. And that's why I said best friend. Because I know this in my life. My best friends are the ones that are always there for me, whenever and whatever. You guys got friends like that? No matter what happens in life, and they may have moved away. They may not even be in the same state as you anymore. I think Pastor Rob was sharing with us the other night about uh, at the men's grill night. He says he's got a friend named John that lives in another state, but he knows all he has to do is get on the phone, and John is right there for him no matter what. His hearts are bond together. Like, that's what best friends are about. And God is saying, I'm the Lord that it's your best friend that I'm always there for you. Here's what Jehovah Shammah means. It means God is there. It means that right now while you're sitting in this room in one of these chairs, God's right there with you. And when you want to go out and eat breakfast afterwards, you're at Koa Pancake House and you're grinding. Well, maybe not because we're fasting. But wherever you go, wherever you go, God is there. When you go home with your family and go to the beach today, God's right there. Man, when you go into work tomorrow and you're like, oh, I got that meeting with the boss. It's okay. God's already there. He's there with you. Wherever you go, God is with you. There's a, there's a word that we have in the, in the Christmas story that describes Jesus, Emmanuel. It means, you guys know, God with us. He's there, Jehovah Shammah, as we're, as we're praying this prayer. And like, God, even though I'm in the valley of the shadow of death, I don't need to fear because you're with me. Hebrews 13, 5 says, God said, I'll never fail you. I will never abandon you. I'm not leaving. I'm there. Yeah, but God, I'm going through this difficulty. Yeah, but I'm there. No, but God, you don't know what my wife said to me. That's cool. I'm there. No, but you, I promise God, like my finances are in the worst place ever. Don't worry about it because I'm there. Like, that's the God that we serve. I'll never abandon you so we can say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. I will have no fear. What can mere people do to me? He's there with you in the victories, and he's there with you in the valleys. And I have friends in my life that I would say are my best friends, people that I, I really consider, man, they're always there for me. They've been with me when something good happens in my life, and they're just clapping, cheering me on. 
but they're also the ones that when I go through the dark places and the seasons of my life, they're crying with me. They're, they're fasting for me. They're praying for me. And sometimes I forget that. I've got some amazing friends in my life that have been there for me. And here's the thing, you guys know this about your friends. Sometimes you're in such a dark place in your life, your friend shows up, they don't even need to say a word, they're just there. And God wants you to know when you pray to him, he's your shepherd that is always just there. He may not be talking to you, but you feel his presence and that allows you to go through another day. Amen? So here's the sixth thing. I got two more that describe our God, our shepherd. He's so good. Number seven is this. You are my defender. Remember this prayer, though. It might take you 30 seconds to get through all of these things. God, I'm going to go into this today. You're my shepherd. You're my provider. You're my, you're my this. You're my that. It might be fast, but it's a really good reminder to remember who you're praying to and that it's all on him, him and his character, not on yours. So you're my defender. Here's the Hebrew name, Jehovah Nisi which is the banner. The Lord is my banner, meaning he's the banner when you march out onto the battlefield. He's the victory banner that you're going, man, I've already won the battle because look who's on my side. Look who's got my back. And you're waving that. The Lord is my defender. God's got me. I don't need to worry about fighting so much because God is going to fight for me. It says, this is one of the greatest lines in all of the Bible to me. It says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Think about what that means. You got attacks coming at you from every side in life right now. It could be financial, it could be relational, whatever. It could be actual people attacking you, critics or saying words against you. And your enemies are right there trying to attack you. And here's what God is saying. Yeah, prepare a table for you. Here's what he's saying. Carl, sit down, grind a spam musubi. Don't worry about this. I got these guys. I got these guys. You sit over here, have a nice dinner. I got a table prepared. I know your enemies are right there. Don't worry about them. I got this one. I'm going to take him. Oh, they said what? Oh, you know, who, you know who his dad is? I'm his father in heaven. And you want to step to him? You're going to have to get through me first. Carl, you just relax. Sit this one out. I got these guys. Let's go. Right? That's what God is. That is such a hopeful, encouraging verse to me. And it should be to you too, is that when you come to God in prayer, God, you're my defender. I got to deal with this thing today. I don't really have to deal with it because you're going to deal with it for me. You're going to give me the words to say. You're going to show me how to do this thing. I trust you, God. Uh, with the anxiety that's coming at me, like in my life personally, the past couple of days, anxiety, anxiety, I'm freaking out. I'm overanalyzing. I'm overthinking this. And God's just literally telling me, Carl, relax, calm down. I got this. You know me. Your life is lined up with me. You know truth. You know the word of God. You, you, you know that you got me and I got you, right? You, here, Exodus 14, 14. The Lord himself will fight for you. Just stay calm. That's, that's such a great verse in scripture. Exodus 14, 14. The Lord himself will fight for you. Just stay calm. Lord, you are my defender. That is a good word. Here's a very last one. And this is a very churchy word, so don't trip out too hard, but I couldn't find another word that kind of fit. It's just one of those theological churchy type of words. It says, you are my sanctifier. That's a big one. It's Jehovah Mikadesh. Jehovah Mikadesh, you are my sanctifier. Here's where we get it from in Psalm 23. Verse five, it says, you anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. This is where he says, it's this word sanctify. And I couldn't come up with just a normal English simple word because it is such a God-only unique type of word. Here's what the word sanctify means. It means more than just like you're set apart for things of God. It means his hand is on you, that you are honored, you are forgiven, you are washed clean, you are fixed, you are upgraded, you're restored, you're purified, you're called, you're anointed to do bigger things than who you were in the very beginning. 
It means this. It means that, that in, in my life, I understand that I, I'm nothing special. Like, I don't have much to offer. But because of God saying, you are sanctified, that God sanctifies me, he upgrades me and cleans me up to the point where I can do big things for his kingdom simply because of what he's done in my life. Amen? Like, look at, listen to this verse. It says, in 1 Peter 2, 9, he says, you're a chosen people. Do you understand that? You're not just like, oh, you're just Carl over here. No, you're chosen. You're royal priests, a holy nation, God's very own possession. And as a result, you're called to do something. You can show others the goodness of God because he called you out of the darkness into his wonderful light. Isn't that cool? That's the word sanctified. You end your prayer every day going like, God, I'm all of these things. You're all these things to me. But lastly, you're my sanctifier. That means you got plans for my life today. You've made something better of my life today than I could have ever thought possible. And I'm supposed to go do something with this. God, here's the deal. Carl Moore, I am just a surfer kid from Kailua. I graduated in 1989 from Kalaheo High School. Where's my Kalaheo Mustangs out there? We got a few of them. Amen. Thank you, guys. You have my back, all four of you. But in, in reality, I realized, what the heck am I doing on the stage here today? Why is this my profession and my calling? I, I'm just a surfer kid from Kailua. I got really nothing. I'm nothing special. I wasn't a straight A student. I was not even a straight B student. Like I, I could have got the A's and the B's, but I would rather go surfing. Anybody like you just, I could get the good grades, but I'm lazy. I'm just not going to do my homework. I'm sorry. Straight C's. That's good enough. Passing. Come on. Passing. That's good enough, right? All right. That's, yeah, that's not going to get you the high-paying jobs, but man, you made it through school. Amen. But I'm, I'm that guy. Then I went to Bible college because God called me, and somewhere along the line, I just understood this, is I'm just going to say yes to God. And I don't know what that means, and I don't know what it looks like. And I'm just this normal kid from Kailua, and I'm actually an introvert. I can actually on my day off, stay inside all day, and be totally fine and have a great day. Some of you guys are like, you're such a shut-in. I can't believe you would do that. But honestly, that's just how I'm wired. And I'm okay with that. But I also understand that when I say yes to Jesus, there's this thing called sanctification that happened in my life. And he goes, I'm going to take you from being nothing special. And Carl, you still sin. I still sin and make mistakes. Amen? I'm, I'm real. Like, we're all real. And I still blow it. And God goes, but when I sanctified you, here's what I did. I, I cleanse you of your sin from your past, your present, and your future. That means God can't love us any more or any less because of what Jesus did for us. And he goes, you're healed, you're forgiven, you live a re repentant life, a life of integrity with the right heart. You're gonna slip every once in a while. I already died on the cross for that. You're all good. Like we're just staying in communication with me and live for me because you're sanctified. You're upgraded, you're restored, you're made clean. And not only that, I actually have plans for your life Carl, you little introvert, you're going to get on the stage for the rest of your life and tell thousands of people about me. People are going to change their lives. You're going to change the world around you. And I know you feel like nothing special, but I've sanctified you. I'm your sanctifier. And listen, that is not reserved for only Carl Moore. That is the story of every one of your lives because you have a really, really good shepherd. Amen? When we pray, it isn't about us. It's about this amazing character of God. This is who we pray too. Amen. Let's pray and let's give God glory right now. God, we love you. Now we just thank you because you're such a good God. We thank you that we don't deserve anything but hell because that's what sin says. That's what we deserve. But Lord, thank you that you saved us from that. You've redeemed us. You've anointed us. You've called us. Lord, you've given us peace and confidence and joy. And, and Lord, you've changed our lives in ways that we can't even imagine. And Lord, thanks for the reminder today. Psalm 23. David, thanks a lot for writing this. We appreciate it. 
Love to see you in heaven someday. Can't wait. Thank you, David, for teaching us what it is to be a sheep, to be a sheep that has a good shepherd. Lord, would we remember this prayer as we go about our lives and in our week, Lord? It's about your character and who you are, not about who we are. Lord, I pray that this morning, if there's anybody in the room here today, and, and there's probably a few people here today, you came to church and you're not even really close to God right now. In fact, maybe you've never even made a commitment to him to say you want to follow him and you want to be a Christian. Maybe today is kind of a, a day that you came back to church after a while, or maybe you've been coming for a while, but you've never really 100% been all in for him to say, God, I want to follow you completely. And maybe today's your day to say, man, I, I kind of didn't know God was that good. I, I kind of didn't know he could do all those good things for me. And how do I get that? I want that. Well, today I want to say a prayer with you, leading, into, leading you into that relationship with God. You could walk out of this room today knowing that, that God's got your back. He's your father. He loves you. You're a Christian. And he's going to change your life starting now and all the way into eternity. After you die, they, it doesn't end there. We all live for eternity somewhere, but we want to make sure we're living with God. And if you want to say a prayer with me right now to get you into that family of God where he's got you and he's going to move in your life, then I'd love to lead you in a prayer. If you're saying for the first time, I'm in, God, I want to be a Christian. And maybe if you're sitting in this room saying, this isn't a first time, I prayed this prayer a long time ago, but God, you know I've wandered off. You know that I don't hold you as first in my life anymore. And I'm here this morning and I want that again. I want to rededicate my life to you. So if it's a first time or a rededication, I want to lead you in a simple prayer here this morning that puts everything right back with God. And I'm going to pray it out loud. I won't even ask you to pray it out loud in front of all these people. I'm going to ask you would take the words I say, you would make them your words in your heart here this morning. You'd pray it in your heart and God's going to see that heart and he's going to meet you where you're at. So you don't have to pray it out loud. Just pray the words I say out of my mouth that you pray them in your heart. I'm going to ask one thing right now. Eyes are closed, heads are bad. No one is looking. If you'd like to pray this prayer with me, I would love to have the privilege and honor of knowing who I get to lead in this most incredible prayer that will change your eternity. So I'm gonna ask you one thing. If you wanna pray this with me right now, can you just raise your hand right where you're at? Can you raise your hand and say, Pastor Carl, I want this right now. Good, I see some hands going up. I see you over there. I see you. I got you here. You, 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 you. I got you. I see you. I see you. I see some hands together in the back. Praise God. If you're watching online, if you're in the family room back there, somebody sees you, God sees you. I see those hands over there. Praise God. A lot of hands in the room today. This is amazing. Go ahead and put your hands down right now. And I want you just to make this the prayer of your heart. Here we go. I'm going to say it out loud. God, simple prayer. I need you. I want you. From here on out, I'm going to live for you. Lord, you're my priority, not myself. I'm going to follow all you tell me to do as I get to know you, as I go to church, as I get to know other Christians, read your word, pray. Lord, I need you. I want you. I'm going to follow you. I'm all in. Do what you need to do, Lord. I trust you from this moment forward. Thank you for being my God this very instant that I'm calling out to you. You're meeting me here, forgiving me, not judging me, just fixing and upgrading and sanctifying my life. Lord, I will follow you all of my days. Thank you for being my God. In Jesus' name, the church said, amen, amen. Let's praise God right now. Amen. That was good. That was good.